Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. And I'm here with someone who I've known for some time and um, he's been a great, great source of information, not only for my own garden, but for other people's gardens all around Melbourne. His name's Rick Molino. He's a garden designer and uh, welcome to the program. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, Rick, gardens have always been my passion. And I think yes. we always, when we get together, we have good chats about gardens. Yes. And um, you actually didn't study at all in gardens. No, I didn't. You did a Bachelor of Business Correct. course. Yes. So that's a long way from gardening. Yes and no. So, And then you, you started um, Garden Platform, a nursery, a number of years ago. So tell yeah. me how you got into doing that. Uh, well, I was actually studying a Bachelor of Business at Monash and I was mainly in marketing and um, I was always growing up in a family business. Dad had a, a greengrocer business in Caulfield and he started casually selling some plants probably in about the 1970s. And just out the front? with Yeah, just out the front and then it sort of graduated towards the rear of the property and starting to do up the property a little bit and... Towards the end of my studying my degree, I thought, um, and using my business head, um, I thought, well, here's an opportunity to really take this business to another level. So, um, yeah, approached Dad and I said, um, I think I think we can really do something here. And um, so you didn't that, actually you started a, gar- a nursery, but not on those premises, no, somewhere else. No, so it started that that, that nursery that you're speaking about, the one in Ashburton, that was in the uh, about 2010, somewhere around there. But um, this was back in the late 80s, 1980s, the, where I got involved with my, with the family business. With plants? Yeah. So what was the first nursery that came about? With my father. Oh, okay. Yeah, or with the family, yeah. And where was that? Yeah, that was the one in Caulfield that I oh, was okay. just talking about. And then that um, grew and grew and we started another location in Hampton, um, when we also did floristry as well from the Caulfield site. So it was a pretty pretty involved business. And then why didn't you continue with Garden Platform? Because it was a good little nursery and um, there wasn't much competition. There wasn't. Was it, was it just the weather? and? No, it was, it was me and my time. Um, probably oh, for about 15, 20, 15 years before that, I started getting involved with designing people's gardens. People would come into the nursery and I was, you know, the chief sort of merchandiser of the stores as well and people would come and say, well, um, what you're doing here is amazing. Would you like to do something with my garden at home? And it started from there, really, and it just kept growing and growing and growing and by the time I did start that business in Ashburton, um, I was you getting had clients. Well, well, I was getting to a point. I was running the business. I was running the nursery as well as designing and building people's gardens at the same time. I was I was working eighty to hundred hours a week, and it wasn't sustainable. So something had to go. And I thought, after you know, doing nurseries for about twenty five years, I thought it was time in my life to start the next chapter. It's probably a good time because nurseries have diminished. I mean, yeah, I, I beg to differ with you that. You think they? Um, the way we ran our business, we ran it very, very well. And when all the doom and gloom was around with the drought and nurseries must be struggling, that, that were our golden years because we we just took it on and 
we didn't let all the no the negative sort of talk around mm. us really um, stop us from doing what we really love doing. So and, how does and it, customers respond? How do you tend to work a garden? I mean, is it well, how do you normally take the brief? And is it you know what's what's the type of thing that you need to know? Because people often say, "I want this, I want that." They show you images. It's fairly difficult getting to what people actually need. I think rather the, than I, what I've they always see. said the golden principle is to listen. I think enough, not enough people listen. Listen to what the client uh, is really wanting and what what they need. They most likely aren't able to interpret how that works in a garden. So that's my role. So once you listen, then you start guiding them and you pull them back. Perhaps if they're diverting into areas where you feel that it's just not going to work, whether the space is not going to work, whether the plants that they were thinking about using doesn't work, doesn't suit the style of the architecture of the home. Uh, is it a bit that people see a lot now and they kind of just bring you images rather than working out what's right and what's going to actually work? Um, I'd say I've, probably 99% of my work is word of mouth. Um, I don't really promote myself too much um, so I think the people that contact me the people that know that I'm pretty good at what I do and and they want me to guide them and often they say look we don't really know what we want um, and they don't present those images and that's where I have to start doing some research. So how do you normally start the process? Oh, the first I mean apart from listening and seeing the property what what do you tend to do? So after that first visit where you listen, uh, the next thing that I like, love doing is once I know that the client is fairly keen to engage me, is I like to do research. I like I like to research the history of the, the period of architecture that of their home, uh, the actual site that it, itself, the actual precinct, uh, and get a really good understanding of the whole history because I I think that's critical for um, a really good outcome. Um, and then, yeah, you start saying, okay, well, you know, what is it that this client wants to do with the garden and how do I make that all work? Do you, when you're looking at the architecture of a property and people say, oh, I love this tree, I love that tree, and then, you know, some plant planting just doesn't tend to work with that type of Correct. architecture. Correct. So is that hard to kind of get, wean people off that idea if it's not right from the outset? Uh, I'd or do say, you try and I'd make it work? I'd say no because I think it's very easy to say, no, you can't do that. Um, but I, I go to the actual trouble of... I see myself as an educator, really, and I go to the trouble of explaining why it doesn't work. And nine times out of ten, the client will say, I now understand where you're coming from. Um, yeah, so let, let's go with what you said. What, um, Rick, before I start looking at some of your work, and uh, what are the type of things that you find people do get the wrong start? You know, that they... Is it um, that they just don't know their plants? They, they don't know their plants. They, uh, I mean, as I've told you over yeah. a number of years, I mean, my passion is architecture. Um, it, to me, it's critical that... The garden has to complement the building and complement the building's era. Um, I feel that if you don't do that, um, it's it's to me it's quite obvious that they're not in harmony with each other. And they kind of jar. Yeah, yeah. So if it's a 1960s house, perhaps more succulents could kind of work. Yeah, that's right, and just more architectural 
sort of shaped plants is probably what I'd use in that sort of situation and more specimen sort of plants rather mm. than, say, doing hedging or something mm. like that. It was a real period where I, I feel that every plant sort of stood out in the garden rather than all just being merged into one. It was quite sculptural. The other thing, before we even get stuck into look at the design and the hard areas, um, is just that, you know, plants are quite, you know, they have a mind of their own. They do. They're not going to work in certain areas. What the, what people don't realise is that it's not just drawing a few lines on a page. You actually have to have the knowledge of plants and where to source them. So with your years of working in the nursery and yeah. running the nursery, you actually know where to get That's the right. best plants. That's right. I think it's one of the critical things of, you know... Why. Who to source. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I I'm, have amazing relationships with a lot of growers and growers that I've dealt with for over 30 years. Um, I, just, I just know where to get the right plant uh, from the right grower... Um, when you look at a stock list on a on a sheet of paper and five growers say that they grow that same plant, but you actually have to go and physically ins- inspect the stock because one one they all look completely different to each other in person. Um, and over the phone they'll say, "Oh yes, I've yeah, got exactly yeah, they, what yeah, they, you're looking for." They look for. amazing, and you get out there. Well, worst thing they get delivered to site if you don't go and inspect them. So that's why I always make a point of inspecting. Yeah, you know, making maybe a two-hour, three-hour trip just to physically go into it, inspect the plants, just to make sure that once that plant does come onto site, that it is to my standard. Yeah. Um, how do you? So we're looking at the hard surface. We're looking at a house now that's got a pool, swimming yes. pool. Yes. And you've got this curved bench seat. Yeah. In the, that's a big budget. That's a big budget project. Uh, it's reasonable, reasonable budget. I wouldn't say it's a huge budget. And obviously, who are you working with? For the swimming pool, uh, this project I was actually quite fortunate that the, well sometimes it can be unfortunate. The swimming pool that was already there when I got there, uh, and the client said, "Okay, we've got the swimming pool, we've done the renovation to the home, um, and there's a little bit of decking here. What can you do?" So um, you know, from the outset, you're you're already starting yeah. having to work with something that. It's already um, existing. It's already existing and maybe not what you would have done in terms of its location or the aesthetics of it. That wasn't the point with this with this one. But, but yeah, sometimes it can be difficult when some things have already been put in place before you actually get involved with the project. So this was a challenge in terms of, OK, how do I make these spaces work now that this is where the pool has been sited? Did you it, refurbish the pool as well? No. So that's no. exactly the way it was? Yes, yes, yep. Uh, but there was some decking there, but not all of the decking, and so that decking was extended. But um, it wasn't a very large rear garden, um, and I was very conscious that if it becomes all hard landscaping, hard surfaces, um, and it's it's sort of facing a northwest sort of aspect, it was going to be very, very hot and very, very reflective, and it it needed some greenery to to really, um, yeah. Okay. Just soften it and, and... And 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 you've done some outdoor areas and um, protection, sun protection. Yeah. What have you included in that? Um, so there was there is a tree yeah. um, and it's within the deck that, area. Right. Uh, which is a lovely um, ginkgo or the old uh, maidenhair tree, which uh, that'll be a, a stunning 
uh, tree as it as it matures. Um, interesting thing with that is that the foliage goes a really bright sort of canary yellow in the autumn, uh, and then yeah, and then that lovely sort of apple green most of the the year through. You obviously like plants that show their season and continually Definitely. change. To me, so they're not static. That's right. I don't like static gardens. Uh, I think there always has to be something happening in the garden to keep to keep, 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 keep the level of interest up and and just poking your head around the corner and saying, oh, wow, that's coming to flower or oh, that's starting to go into its autumn foliage. Do you think, look, in the 50s, gardening was really big. Everyone yeah. was into gardening. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of as important as entertaining friends on the terrace. It was really part of the whole culture. Do you think gardening has starting to head in that direction because uh, there was a time i'd say in the 90s that you know people said i just want something structured i don't want i don't want to have to work on the garden i just want it to be almost like an you know style statement do you think there's I, been more interest or i you... still think that's the brief with with most people um but again i think that i you know the reputation that i would have is that my work is a little bit different to that um, and if you, you're wanting something just a little bit different and with a, a great use of, of plant life, but with a bit of variety, but not, but not you know, messy and overdone, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to come up with something that's really creative. And Rick, in terms of uh, design, I mean, people can't often see a plan. That's it's right. hard for them to see a plan. That's you right. know, you, your drawings are lovely and you... you clearly identify exactly what's happening but that's different from someone actually knowing how plans how a garden's going to evolve yeah how do you create that do you do a 3d scheme of what it'll be look what a garden will look like in five years time well to I mean to the beginning of the point that you're making I, I think that was a real learning experience for me that I've always had the ability to be able to visualize and I always thought that most people had that skill. But they don't really. But they don't. Um, and that's where you know, I found that um, you have to convey your ideas in, in other ways. And some of it is just three-dimensional hand sketches. Others are physically taking the client to other work that you've done and just showing maybe perhaps elements of, of, of a garden that could work in their space. But obviously you're not wanting to copy it but yeah. but it gives them the idea of what can be achieved and and how different textures work with each other and do you tend to work with the architect from the early beginning of a project or does it vary sometimes you called in afterwards sometimes it's from the That's start the big bugbear um i i always argue that um you should be called in from the earlier start. That's right, because I'm looking at the garden and the way it relates to the house in a different way than perhaps the architect is. I think the architect is looking perhaps a little bit, um, I don't know, maybe more inside out, Yeah. Um, which is very important. And you're um, looking at how the garden responds to the, that's right. to the proposal. That's right. But I'm also, I, I do try and think about it, how the garden works from looking from the inside and and trying to identify what key sort of focal points sort of areas are going to be, because that, that's really important to establish. I'm looking at this image here, which is quite delightful. It's yes. Uh, one that we might put on the website. Okay. Um, so that was just a, the, the sort of like the dead side of, of the house. Um, that was probably, The southern side. Uh, no, it was facing um, west, um, but it was probably the old driveway that was probably not going to have a lot of purpose 
at all. But Well, where were the cars going to go from there? Uh, well, the, We've relocated you can still, them. You can still fit two cars in before you hit this area right here. Um, and this was, yeah, often you see these areas and they just, they're really a nothing. They're, they're probably just a pathway. With because they weren't wide enough to accommodate cars when right. they were designed. That's right. So they really are just a glorified yeah, area that's that's right. A nothing area that's not really yeah. used. And so what did you do? You've you paved it and paved it. We've put uh, just a raised sort of uh, garden bed in, and uh, part of the brief was to be able to grow some uh, seasonal vegetables and and herbs. And it was my sort of task to to determine where would be the best place for that. Um, so this is obviously a great spot, very sunny location, um, but. It, you know, even vegetables, herbs can be quite aesthetically pleasing as well, and and that's what I've tried to create. Of, it's a really nice, um, you know, relaxing sort of space. Lots of greenery, um, using other perennials and things, sort of. And it's also lovely because the uh, finishes for the architecture. A lot of it's black cladding. That's right. So it really enriches the. That's right. The planting. That's right. So we, you know, we used blue stone that tones in very well with that black monument colour, uh, and the raised planters we they were painted in a in a black sort of matching sort of coloured finish just to to keep the keep it quite simple and let yeah. let the let the plants really be the star. I think the other thing is, Rick. You know, they are quite spontaneous in terms of what I've seen of your gardens. Yeah, they're very fluid. There's a lot of movement. It's not, know, they're not, they're static, not static. Not they're static. not fixed. A lot of foliages that whisper around in the air, in the air, but but also then there's there's structure as well. I mean, you know, box balls are, are quite a key component to to my design work, but I don't like using them in rows or. or so it's too orchestrated, yeah, too uncomfortable. I like using them in a more organic sort of way and just just randomly placing them in clusters or, or singular sort of ones and, and varying the sizes. How, how has the lack of water in recent years affected the way you design? Have you become, are you using more natives than you used or just more that's resist, enough, resistant? That's, that's sort of a fallacy, I'd say. In, really? In, on the, in the market in terms of everyone associates uh, dry gardening to just Australian natives. But yeah. um, there's so many other plants that you can consider. Australian natives is one. But you can have lots of but, Europeans. Um, like med- the Mediterranean climate is just as, as harsh as, as what ours is. And, yeah, a lot of my plants are, are probably sourced from, from those sort of areas. Yeah. Um, can I fl- what are you working on at the moment? I mean, is it mainly um, houses or do you do uh, multi-res as well? Uh, yeah, I, I have done some multi-res. Most most of my work is houses, just people's homes. Yeah. Um, I was given a an interesting brief not that long ago, which I did mention to you last <laughs> year. Um, it was a uh, kindergarten in Armidale. All right. And um, when I visited the property, I mean, obviously the first things that you're going to thinking, okay, well, what can you do to the space? It's going to enhance the the children's experience of the centre uh, but the other part of the brief was that um, you know it's very important for new families that come that you know that, that there is a real presence as soon as you walk through the gate and also sun protection I imagine is high on the yes 
yes. Um, I mean, it was because funding is pretty difficult. Uh, yeah, the brief was sort of like a stage brief. Look, can we just sort of start off with this little area over here and see how that goes? And hopefully, we, you know, there's a possibility we'll be able to get some extra funding. We can start working on, on other areas. In terms of funding, Rick, is it a problem with landscape designers, garden designers, that the budgets are usually spent quite quickly and then the money, there's not sufficient enough money to allow for um, the garden to really be, to do it justice? I think the biggest problem is, particularly when there's a, a home in renovation involved, is there's always a budget allocated to the landscape, but there's always overruns and overspends on the, on the home renovation that so then they cut back. as time keeps going on, that, that landscape budget keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and um, you, know, you, you have your client then coming to you and saying, okay, well, this is now the budget, what do we do? And you say uh, nothing. No, my advice is, I think the biggest thing you've got to do is, is stick to the original design, um, but we can pull it back a little bit more. Um, what's, what's, uh, but but sta- staging the project is what I, what I would what always it? recommend. That if the funds aren't there to do it all S- now... Set the canvas out. Let's get, let's get the, the main infrastructure in so that the, main, the, the real disturbance to the site is, is done. And then, hard, yeah, hard paving. All the excavation, paving, yeah. irrigation... All those sort of drainage, all those sorts of the, get get that done. Let's see how much of the budget is left, and then we start sort of prioritising where the planting goes. It's I've asked a few people, and they all, always give me a different answer. But um, what is the general amount of money one should spend on a garden? Just say I'm not talking about an established garden, and you're just cutting back a bit in you know and redoing it and re. Yeah. But if you're looking at you know if you do say a, a renovation say it's a $400,000 renovation, what should $500,000 renovation is probably more, you know, common. Yeah. What what should you allocate in addition for that, for the garden? Is it 10% it, or is it I more? I think you've got to look more towards the actual value of, of the home rather than the renovation and, and then taking a percentage off that. Um, I mean, the old rule of thumb that you always hear sort of spoken about is 10%. Is that but realistic? Ten, but ten percent of, of say the the home's value, the site's value, I'd say that yeah, that that is realistic. So rather than the renovation, correct. So because if you if to use your example, four hundred thousand renovation, ten yes. percent's only forty thousand. Forty thousand is not going to get you very far if you're doing the front garden, the rear garden, and the sides, and putting in hard paving and yeah. all the rest of it. That's which right. Be That's right. Whereas you you probably find a more realistic budget is somewhere between, depending on how big the site and how elaborate the garden is going to be, but it's probably more around the hundred to the hundred and fifty thousand mark. But I've is seen it? garden builds where they've been, you know, five hundred thousand. Mm. Um, but that's big yeah. sites, very yeah. elaborate sort of work. How do you think you you know if you have a limited budget you know just say what are the things that you can do that uh, that can get you over the line or give you something that gives you pleasure rather than looking as if it's just you know an add on and look here's a few shrubs and I always know, say get the bones right get the bones right because if the bones are right the garden is always going to work and there can always be something that you can continually work on and improve so don't compromise on getting a good design done and using using a, a professional to help you because once you've got you know the right 
layout in place and how the garden beds should be structured. And how you're going to use the house and how... And how you're going to use the house and how how big should your entertainment area be, how big should the garden bed be in context to that. Yeah, I mean, scale. Scale is very important. Uh, I hate seeing a home where it's a biggish home, biggish garden, uh, and then you've got these really narrow garden beds it, it's just all just completely out of out of scale yeah it just doesn't tight. yeah it just doesn't sit proportionally to the home getting the proportions right is very very critical i believe mm. so yeah my advice would be get get the layout sort of and then out. you can work on the and planting then, later. and then yeah and then yeah, in the in the short term if it's mm. limited budget where an area that where you may have paving um sort of uh, to go in you in you might just yeah. put a gravel down in the short yeah. term and with the view that um we'll do that paving maybe in three years time but in the meantime yeah. we've still got a a finished uh hard surface that we can the, walk the other on. thing is um you know people's uh taste change you know with gardens they're not static it's a bit like an interior yeah um and so things there's nothing wrong with changing things around. Definitely not. You know, if you get tired of a plant, even though it's been plant, you know, I mean, obviously a major tree, you'd be mad to just rip it out. And But, you know, there's no reason you can't just keep adding to things and taking away. That's right. You know, it's, a, it's a living thing. Gardens are living things and they change. And there's no reason why, if your taste change, that you can't replace what, what some in- of it. Uh, Rick, what do you enjoy most about the whole process? Is it the end product? Is it just... It's, fu- it's funny. You're, you know, you always think of measuring the success of of what you've done. And I, I always go back maybe a month later and I'll always ask the client... Because when, you, when you're at the design stage, you're, you're always speaking about, oh, yeah, this, this zone we're going to use for uh, entertaining. This zone's going to be my own little private haven space. But... The proof is in the pudding, and usually the, the the essence of the first discussion is, you know how, you know, we thought that this this area was going to use for this purpose. It, has it worked out that way? And finding out, you know, just human nature and how they interact with the space, and and when it all works how you thought it would work, it's it's really pleasing to hear. But it's also pleasing to hear sometimes when a different use has been discovered for something that you thought was yeah, and and you think, wow. We didn't think of that, and it has worked it, out that isn't way. It, isn't it great? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I think how people use the space is is the measure of how successful a garden is. Do you look? Um, given your experience, I mean, you've been doing this for a number of years. Is it very um, tempting when you see gardens that could be so much better, and you drive past or you walk past? And I, you do, think, I do it all the time. Do you kind I of feel pe- like I feel like knocking on the door? Do you kind of feel like putting a little note in their letterbox and yeah. saying, "Look, dear homeowner, you could have done this, this, and this, but you kind of didn't." Yeah, but you don't. I don't. I don't. But I, I do get tempted. But the worst one, the worst ones normally are, is perhaps a project that you're invited to. To speak to the client and then they do and so. get an idea of their brief and then you know you later discover that you didn't get the job and then you and, see what happens and then you go and see what was done afterwards and you and you, you oh, it's really disappointing particularly when um, it's a really amazing piece of 
of Australian architecture um, and whoever's gone and done the job just had no understanding do you whatsoever. Think, do you think it's the client just doing a bit of filling in or you think it's a pro- someone else who's professional who's kind of just got it wrong? Yeah, just the wrong advice. Um, Hasn't yeah. really understood the architecture. Haven't understood, haven't understood, no. And is just... Um, uh, just sort of uh, cut and paste what he did at a previous job and yeah, he or she has done at a previous job and just put it on, on yeah, this one. Yeah, um, yeah it's, each it's one very, is, very sad. Each one is very, as you mentioned, each garden is very different. Yeah. The architecture is different. Yeah. The location, the site, yeah. everything's so different. So, but landscape just, design has become a, sort of a bit of a machine, I think, in the last 20-odd years. You, where just people producing a Just formula. producing just a formula, um, and it's just applied from one property to the next um, because that's it's easy um, and it's quick and, and you get your money paid to you quickly yeah. because the process is quick. Um, on the opposite, uh, mine is my ethos is all about the outcome and the client and... If it takes me longer than what I thought it was going to take me to do it, then so be it. That's at my cost. Yeah. No, look, I. It's the result that's important. I've um, I've really enjoyed talking to you about gardens over the years, and um, and they are. I mean, your knowledge of plants is phenomenal. Yeah. But it's. I think that people don't realise that doesn't just come overnight. It's not just a few sketches no, on a page. It's about twenty twenty five years in the making. Yeah. I'd say, like my my knowledge base, and I've still got. A lot more to learn, Yeah, strangely Look, enough. Um, thanks so much, Rick, for coming on the program today. Oh, you're welcome. It's and, lovely to be here. And uh, you've been listening to Rick Molino, a garden designer, and you've been listening to Stephen Crafty talking design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening.